We can provide bodyguards to people? Of course. Wow. And armored cars? What? You think the CEO of a major company travels to, you know, pick a country without protection? No, I've actually never thought about that. So <laughs> uh, I just, that's interesting. Yeah. Welcome to Connections with BCD Travel, an ongoing conversation about the modern day travel program, the impact of technology and digitization, and how travel buyers can take control and drive change. Each episode leaves you with practical, actionable advice and solutions to support a variety of program needs. Let's start connecting. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Connections with BCD Travel. My name is Chad Lemon. I'm on the digital strategy and advancement team at BCD, and I'm your podcast host. And I'm your co-host, Miriam Moscovich. I lead partnerships and intelligence at BCD Travel. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and download the Connections with BCD Travel podcast to stay up to date with our newest releases. On today's episode, we're connecting duty of care. And what an important topic that is, right? Duty of care consistently ranks as the most important issue with business travelers. So I'm looking forward to discussing this today on this podcast. Yeah, it really is such a vital topic to our listeners. So if you're listening, put your pens down, stop typing that email. You're going to want to really focus in on this one and the information that our guest has to share. So without further ado, welcome to Connections, Lees. Before we jump in, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at BCD. Thank you for having me and excited to be here. So I'm Lise Levesque and I'm based in Montreal, Canada. I'm a senior crisis program manager with uh, BCD's global crisis management team. Um, I've been in this role now for 10 years. I discovered this unique team after working um, with BCD for a couple of years in program management. And I was really fascinated um, that there was a dedicated team with focus on travel risk management. Um, so part of what my team does is monitor the world 24-7 um, for incidents that might impact business travel. And um, we've also developed throughout the years with consulting services uh, to organizations. So bringing awareness and consulting with companies to help them towards their duty of care responsibilities. So like I said a few moments ago, our research consistently shows that duty of care ranks as the number one priority for travel programs. So we've got a lot to cover in this episode. Let's get started. Absolutely. Lise, I want to begin talking about the history around duty of care and some of those milestones that helped establish where we are today. And Miriam, I know you have a unique perspective on this too. So I'd love to get you both to weigh in on this. So we know when I think about duty of care and, and the evolution over the last 20, 30 years, for me, I think one of the first watershed moments was 9-11. And I remember um, as a travel manager at the time, you know, having to run those typical reports, but also corporations enacting phone trees and, and desperately trying to find if their employees were okay or were not. And kind of that was the first, in my memory, first incident where we realized there was a lot more to do in the space. And then that was followed by the Mumbai terror attacks, which had sort of a new flavor to them where there were so many business travelers in the incident and instantly posting updates and photographs on Twitter. And then finally, the ash cloud, which affected hundreds of thousands of business travelers who were unable to move for up to two weeks. And so I think about the history and how we've gotten to this place, and I think it's pretty amazing. And it's interesting you mentioned that, Miriam, because our global crisis management team was formed after the ash cloud 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and that really that really prompted a need for a dedicated um, crisis response team within BCD mm-hmm. Travel, um, and. Um, you know, not just looking at monitoring incidents that could affect our business travelers, but how we've evolved also throughout uh, throughout the years um, in supporting our clients to to plan ahead with ahead of the next incident. I'm glad we started there because duty of care has a history, and it's important that we recognize that business travel has only really been managed, I think, for about the last 35 or 40 years, right? So. What started just as an incident response is now turned into a more holistic risk mitigation strategy. So what's your take on where duty of care has come from versus where it is with companies today? Uh, well, there's definitely more focus on duty of care. I think even when I was in program management many years ago, um, companies were really focused on cost savings. And that was, you know, it has definitely shifted Um over the years, as I mentioned, along with Advito, our team has been providing um, companies with consulting services, um, assessing programs and processes to mitigate potential risks, both to travelers and their organization. So from program planning to making sure policies are in place and reviewed regularly. So we know that the world is ever changing um, and so should a travel risk management program. I think we use the term duty of care pretty loosely, though, to talk about a lot of topics. But really, it's just one branch under a much larger travel risk management umbrella, right? Yes, um, it is. So one huge shift uh, in the industry over the last two years was the publication of the ISO 31030. Um, yeah, you're probably okay. wondering, what is ISO 31030? <laughs> I've heard so, of it. <laughs> I'm glad you have, because during our surveys, not many uh, many travel managers or security managers have. So. Um, It's the International Organization for Standardization that was published back in 2021 um, with a guidance on travel risk management. So the purpose is really to promote a culture where travel-related risk is taken seriously. So it really provides a structured approach um, to the development and implementation of programs and, uh, and so much more. So you mentioned difference between duty of care and travel risk management. Well, now there is an official definition that can be used globally because um, I've heard over the years that these are, are misused. Um, and I'll quote from the, the standard that duty of care is the moral responsibility or legal requirement of an organization to protect the travelers from hazards and threats. So in other words, in short, the company needs to protect their travelers. So travel risk management is the coordinated activities um, to direct and control an organization with regards to risks. So essentially, the travel risk management encompasses the processes and policies that an organization has in order to fulfill their duty of care. I know there's a lot there. (laughs) Try to simplify the definitions. Well, I'm really glad that you explained that, uh, but it makes me wonder what the pain points are in travel risk management right now, especially concerning duty of care. Well, a few common trends that I've seen um, in conducting the assessment starts with the first area of focus on, um, which is ownership. Um, so that's really defining the day-to-day roles to the, um, in the program to the overall level of sponsorship um, in the company. So either roles overlap um, or worse, there's gaps and lack in direction in the program. Um, a low trend that we see with our assessments is the communication. So you may have all the policies and processes in place, um, which is great, but if it's tucked in a drawer, it means little. But it's more than just travel managers, right? I mean, it's also individual travelers can take steps to reduce their risk while traveling, right? 
Definitely. Um, the travelers have a role to play as well here. So I'm glad right. you mentioned that because um, it's often overlooked. Uh, one of the areas that we focus on in our assessment is called traveler awareness, or you may also know it as duty of loyalty. Um, right. And in other words, you know, travelers have a role to play as well, and that is to comply with um, the organization's travel risk management policies and processes. And of course, you know, if they're not communicated to the traveler, well, then they won't be effective. And this is also extending to um, ensuring traveler wellness, which is the second uh, top priority with our survey after duty of care. So traveler wellness is an important topic. So I'm glad you brought that up. What role does traveler wellness play in the company's duty of care policy? Um, Well, it's ensuring that measures are taken to support travelers. So this can be anywhere from preventative measures um, and support. So, for example, looking at wellness, this can focus on business class for long haul flights. uh, If they're traveling, you know, and crossing various time zones, the time of travel, um, reducing, you know, very early morning flights or late night flights, uh, weekend travel as well. Uh, There are many resources that companies may already have in place um, that could provide assistance for burnout and support. And I wanted to touch on that as well. Um, So it may be contracted through third party assistant providers or if they have an employee assistance program to make sure that those resources are available for travelers. So personally, I think if a company really values duty of care, it takes more than just that one company, right? or that one traveler to make better decisions. So do you see organizations sharing any of these successes with their travelers? Surprisingly, not enough. Um, (laughs) I wish there was, uh, I wish, um, I wish it was higher. So I've engaged with um, many companies that are not necessarily sharing the success of their program, yet they may have a very robust program in place. Um, So this is often an area that's overlooked. So we're all aware of information overload Um, Yet this is a great way to engage travelers for them to also share their experience, Uh, even attracting new talent um, by highlighting efforts during recruitment. Um, Another way is for traveler feedback. This is really a key component towards the success improvements of a program um, and can be achieved simply by doing a post-trip survey and asking a question about their safety throughout the trip and also even engaging travelers in forums to share their experiences. So Lise, you just mentioned uh, traveler safety, and I think it's important to also discuss DE&I and how that fits into traveler safety and duty of care. Um, and it definitely plays an important role. And I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, where you see that role going in the future, because I think it will just become more and more important. Companies often focus on travel to high-risk destinations um, or even current events that are happening Yet, individual risk profiles are definitely an important Mm -hmm. focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And this can vary based on gender, um, sexual orientation in some areas, race, religion, um, younger employees or new employees or travelers with disabilities. So, for example, someone with uh, someone that may be asthmatic may be at higher risk um, than someone who is not if traveling to a location with high air pollution. So companies need to address this, um, and it can be sensitive not to overstep on individuals' privacy. Um, So the key here is making information available and the resources available. So this can include training, uh, travel briefings, health assessments um, through external vendors as well. So 
Chad, if you and I were traveling um, at a location, it could be a very different experience um, and results um, towards risks. I wish it was otherwise, um, but it's not always the case. Please, this is a loaded question, but how do you think we can ensure sustainable success when it comes to the travel risk management program, especially for those with global travel programs? Is it more of a long-term vision or is it flexibility to react in the moment? So it's about planning ahead of the unexpected. It's long-term and there will always be the need to adapt in the moment. Um, However, I still see many companies having reactive programs, trying to figure out on the moment um, what to do in the event of an incident. And that's not the time to try to figure it out. Um, Who does what and when in the event of a crisis? At the start of the show, you talked about the incredible team that you work with at BCD. So I want to make sure our listeners know about the wide variety of options that they have relating to duty of care with uh, both BCD's technology and some of our partners as well. Chad, there are many um, here. So with tools and technologies, um, you know, this can start with, for example, uh, trip authorization. You know, sometimes we see companies using this towards compliance. Um, but it can also be used for travel towards high-risk destinations and ensuring additional measures are in place um, before the travel takes place. And then we have, for example, our alerts as it relates to country briefings or even alerts to our travelers um, so they know, you know ahead of arriving at their destination if there's something that's occurring or even while they're on their trip. Um, we have our reporting tools. Um, So we've got decision source with the map and able to track travelers in the event of an incident. And if you're not in front of your desktop, we also have our BCD alert app um, mobile device that security managers and travel managers can access in the event of an incident to see if their travelers have been impacted. Um, We also have our marketplace uh, partners as well. So, you know, for more developed program, um, some of those services can include Um, 24-7 security and medical support um, to travelers. So that's an item that can be outsourced, that organizations can outsource uh, to support their travelers. And it can go beyond that with evacuation services, training, um, either trip-specific or generic, um, and even to the extent of bodyguards if needed. Lise, you've done a great job giving our listeners advice throughout this discussion. But I want to shift from my normal question of asking advice and instead ask you, what everyday behaviors that you've been seeing business travelers do that they should reconsider to help mitigate risk? I would say first, simple luggage tags. And I'm surprised to see uh, names, business cards, addresses on luggage tags. So a simple initial name, phone number. Um, But, you know, people at the airport don't need to see that you're the CEO of a company and or your home address, uh, for example. And another one I was quite surprised about um, with our survey that we conducted earlier this year is that only 50% of travelers uh, remove their envelope from their hotel key. And um, I mean, I don't want to carry around my hotel key with the room number on it, right? So I was quite surprised by that one there, especially if I'm sitting in a restaurant, you may take your hotel key and have it on the desk. So I was I was quite shocked by that one. <laughs> I think for frequent travelers, you know, you don't really remember your room number. So how are you supposed to know 
what room you have if it's not in that sleeve with the number on it. That's my issue. <laughs> Maybe put it somewhere else. <laughs> put it on your phone. <laughs> it's sort of like putting your PIN number on a post-it attached to your debit card, isn't it? Or having your home address on your car keys and your home keys. Simple little behaviors like that can really make a huge difference to ensure safety while on the road. The point you just made about putting your address on your home keys <laughs> really hits home because you're right. That would be the most ridiculous thing in the world. Maybe it's do. not to that extent, but yes. <laughs> but but it's, it's basically, it's the same thing. Before we wrap this section up, if someone is listening to this episode and wants to discuss their travel risk management strategy, who should they contact? Yes. Um, for your first point of contact would be your program manager, uh, especially if you're looking for information on our technologies and tools uh, to support with your program. And for our traveler security program assessment, as I mentioned, that is um, with our consulting arm, Edvito. And you can go to edvito.com and top right is contact us. Wow, what a great discussion. And in the spirit of travel risk management, our quick connect is going to focus on travel faux pas. So I'll ask the question and uh, tell me what comes to mind. First one, any horror stories about losing your belongings while traveling? Well, the horror wasn't mine. I, you know, I, I have had a bag get lost. I was without it for a couple days and I just insisted on wearing that same outfit I rode over in on the red eye for three days instead of buying new clothes so that I could complain about it openly to everybody, right? A horror, a horror. I'm so, you know, besieged. So the horror wasn't mine. I just made everyone else have to suffer for it. I had my luggage lost and it was not on a business trip. It was, I was 18 and I was moving to Australia for a year and they had lost my luggage for two weeks. And at that age, I was, thankfully the community came together and gave me some clothes. Um, yet that at the age, you know, I wanted to have my own clothes and mm -hmm. identify my own style, but otherwise lost luggage was uh, typically when I'm returning back to Montreal. So um, I've been fortunate and always found. That's, that's, that's a very sweet story, but mine is very similar to yours, Miriam. I, you know, luggage didn't arrive, but I was emceeing an event uh, and I didn't have time to go shopping to get something professional. So I had to walk on stage wearing just jeans and a t-shirt that I flew on. So hyper embarrassing. Um, worst mistake you've ever made while traveling? I don't know if it's a mistake because it was an unknown mistake I'll share, but this was quite some time back. Um, for those of you who have ever flown out of a Canadian city to the U.S., you pre-clear U.S. Immigrations and Customs in Canada. So I was traveling to Chicago for an early meeting and I decided to bring my breakfast with me um, to eat essentially on the other side once I pre-cleared and went through customs. Well, I had a pair in there and on my declaration form, I said I did not have any food. So Liar. I, <laughs> I was in a room being lectured for a good 30 minutes, um, threatening with um, fines and... It was not pleasant. <laughs> Finally made it to my flight, but I know now eat breakfast before I leave for the airport if traveling to the U.S. So I hate to admit this story, but a much, much younger Miri had a flight with a layover and sitting beside me was a very friendly and nice young man. And 
in our layover, we decided to go share a sandwich. And uh, I was so enchanted by him that our connecting flight left with all of our stuff <laughs> on the plane. And <laughs> and I made a fool of myself just thinking I could just go have a sandwich with some nice boy. Um, I've wisened up. I don't talk to anybody on a flight now. I was uh, in Europe for work in the UK with some friends and we decided to go to Italy for like 20 hours. So we were just going to rent a cheap airport hotel room, drop our luggage in it. So we didn't have to travel with it and, uh, you know, head to Rome and come back before heading back to the U S and I stupidly booked the hotel room for, uh, April, I wanted to book it for April 9th and instead booked it for September 4th, uh, getting the dates mixed up. So we were running all over this airport in Manchester in the UK trying to find out what to do with our luggage. And it was such a stressful morning. Your first mistake was thinking you could do Rome in 20 hours. Oh my God. It was, we were amateur. Like, we were like 23 at the time. It was awful. We, <laughs> yeah, of course. Only yeah. a 23 year old would be like, let's go to Rome for 20 hours. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> Well, as always, I feel like we could have talked about this topic for hours and hours, but I want to say thank you, Lise, uh, for delivering such amazing insight in such a short amount of time. For sure, Lise. It was really nice to chat with you today. Thank you for having me. If you're a travel buyer, frequent business traveler, or just someone who likes hearing about duty of care and travel risk management, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and download the connections with BCD Travel Podcast to stay up to date with our newest releases and listen to your favorite episodes. Thank you for connecting with us. BCD Travel helps customers travel smart and achieve more. We make this happen in over 100 countries as the 10-time award winner of BTN's most admired travel management company. Learn more about the information you heard today and what BCD Travel can do for you by visiting bcdtravel.com slash podcast.